Hello and welcome back to the Guns on Pegs podcast. My name is George Brown and I'm the editor at Guns on Pegs. Once again, I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Horn, the managing director of Guns on Pegs. Chris, I've been out on my first ever simulated game day this week and I've got a day's fishing lined up for the bank holiday. Do you think my shoulder's going to recover in time? Oh, I can't I can't believe that's your first simulated day. Mm. I, I can't believe that. Especially like given what we do. How did you find it? I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, it's yeah, I I don't do a lot of days where you pull the trigger a lot. Um, you know, most of my shooting's on the farm, fifty birds is a big bag for us. Um, so to be firing, you know, two, three boxes of cartridges in the space of 10 minutes is practically unheard of for me and I confess that after the first drive as it were I was almost physically shaking I got a bit uh, the, the red <laughs> mist came down a bit <laughs> it, it is knackering I must say I I had a day out on on the clays on a simulated day uh with Hugh from from Barbary shooting school over in workshops it was awesome and having not shot a simulated day I didn't shoot one last year obviously it was like height of pandemic and um God, it was great to be out. It was just so much fun. It was much more fun than I'd, than I'd remembered. Uh, and uh, he was telling me that they're doing loads more days. Um, it seems to be really on the up. So exciting. Yeah, and I've got another one lined up for next month. So that's nice. Hello. And we're doing a bit of a team one, aren't we? Yeah, we are. So I've got two next month. Uh, I tell you what, we need to. if we bring our guest into this, we could ask him some questions about some simulator shooting as well. So, Well, why don't you introduce him then? <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so our guest today uh, has been labelled the best shoot host in the country by one of the best shots. Uh, he's also been, also been labelled a particularly average shot by one of the country's most average shots. That's me. Uh, <laughs> he's... He's he's laid more eggs than every songbird in my garden ever, uh, and to to be precise, he's responsible for hatching seven million chicks a year. Uh, he hosts days at the incredibly famous Brig and Shoot, amongst many others in the Bettis Hall portfolio. It's RC Tricky Tricky Dicky Crofty Richard Richard Crofts to some welcome. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. That's uh, that's a hell of an intro- introduction. Um, I will just pick you up. Um, <clears throat> you're right about being the average shot. That's 100% <laughs> right. Um, the best host in the country, um, that's debatable, and that will be backed up by a few people, I'm sure. Uh, we'll thank you very back. much. Uh, we'll come back to a minute. So that was that was Gerwin who said that uh, in season two of this podcast when we were talking about... He mentioned you along with Caleb, who I know is a good friend of yours as well. So Absolutely, yeah. Well, yeah, it's great to have you with us, Richard. Thank you very much for joining us. No, thank you, guys. Thank you. Um, should we crack on? Richard, what's that you're drinking? So I'm drinking um, a glass of, of Bollinger Le Grande Annie uh, 2007. Wow. Um, which is by far my favourite champagne. Um, it's also very special because uh, a guest that, that comes to the Brigands every season brings me a magnum bottle um, to say thank you for whatever reason. Um, it's an amazing, uh, amazing drink. It reminds me of the shooting season. And uh, and I've, I have cracked the magnum for this meeting. Now, I'm not going to drink it all. but uh, I mean, but, wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why, why not? Why not? That's amazing. I, I've, I've always thought about setting the pretentious bar quite high with my drinks, but but shied away from it. But you've just gone and smashed it right down. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the magnum, it was all I had as well. So um, when we were popping the court... Um, Anyway, it's open. It's open. <laughs> um, Richard, I just have Absolutely. to, before we go on to our drinks, um, back in series 
two, I think it was, we were recording on my birthday. So I bought a bottle of champagne. And back then I was doing these recordings in my bedroom because the twins weren't at nursery. And I opened the bottle and it it basically exploded. The champagne hit the ceiling. The entire bed was drenched. It went all over the, my shorts, all over the, the bed, the carpet, everything. It was an absolute catastrophe. So you're very brave because we don't have a good track record of champagne on this podcast. <laughs> well, luckily, we opened it before. We're all good. The glass is full and, uh, and we're ready to go. I can't believe this. This is this would have been the perfect one to start our face to face podcast from. We should have, if it, if we'd known George, I think we would have been in the car traipsing over. Wouldn't well, we? it would have been a long drive, but I think it probably would have been worthwhile. <laughs> I'd have let you know about twenty minutes before um, and seen the helicopters arrive. If you really wanted to do that much, good. Um, George, what are you drinking? Well, after my little foray back onto the beers last week, I'm I'm back true to form and i've got another glass of whiskey i need to look at the bottle to pronounce it it's uh tamna vulin space single malt uh american oak barrels with sherry cask finish um i confess i opened it at the weekend so i haven't got a full bottle for today but um it's very nice indeed and slipping down quite easily already it's uh delightful I've, I've, one of the reasons i'm back on space side is because i just had my fishing trip uh confirmed absolutely nailed on for july so i'm very happy about that lovely happy days uh, <clears throat> i'm sticking to beers as ever uh, and i've gone with a very well known one to the shooting world uh, it's just it's a classic and i haven't had it on any of our episodes yet so i thought i'd go there and being a friend of of serena williams or serena cross as you know is the old hooky uh, ah. it's i mean it, it's a staple isn't it can't really go wrong with it yeah do you know anyone that doesn't like it no, it's a great beer. <laughs> Did Frank have Hooky on one of the early podcasts? I think he may have done. I think Tom Payne had it on the that's right. on the pigeon shot that's episode. Right. Yeah, but he had more than just an old Hooky. He he was motoring through. I think he ended up grabbing a crate, an old sort of cardboard box of Carlsberg tins as well. <laughs> 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 great right so now that we've all got something to keep us refreshed um i think it's time we did uh whose bird is it anyway richard just so you know this is where we ask our listeners to write in with their shooting confessions and queries and quandaries and we try to resolve their dilemmas for them uh so we're back on confessions with this one after last week uh so i'm back on making up silly names to keep the uh, correspondence anonymous and so this one comes from somebody i've chosen to call wilfred and in a way, it kind of relates back to the conversation we were having about sim or at least clay shooting right at the top of the show. And it goes like this. Gentlemen, I'm a premium member and a big fan of your podcasts, which are a regular source of entertainment on my travels. This is a story of a dilemma which has troubled me for a while and begs the question to tell or not to tell. I've been a member of the same small syndicate for almost four decades, and every summer we organise an informal clay shoot to which we invite the members, the previous year's guests, and their friends and family. Occasionally these past guests are not always welcome, but tradition is tradition. This story concerns one such regular unwelcome guest. This man is a greedy shot, a huge bragger, and generally a loud-mouthed idiot, who usually won the pool pot every summer and continued to brag about it, throughout the following season. I needed to bring him down a peg or two. The plan was to embarrass him and to avoid him winning the pot. Unbeknown to my fellow syndicate guns, I had some dummy clay pigeons made up in marine plywood, 
which were then painted black. Our old Stuart clay traps were perfectly capable of throwing them skywards in a most realistic way, especially straight up. We all shared the trapping duties, and I made sure that I was the trapper on the springing teal stand when it was matey's turn. So as you can imagine, marine ply targets do not break, and he missed every one of his ten targets. Result! In fact, he hit at least eight of them, probably nine, as could be seen when I gathered them up later in the day. The pellets were buried into the ply, but the scorer called ten missed birds. He was forlorn, bemused, and a little angry, but unusually quiet. The prize money went to another, and the occasion was never mentioned again. By him, that is. I have a regular chuckle to myself, but also feel a tad guilty about cheating him of the prize money. However, the objective of bringing him down a peg or two worked like a dream. I did have the thought of posting him anonymously, one of the said targets, but feared the consequences of the resulting inquiry. Should I have come clean? <laughs> this, I mean, this is unbelievable. It's amazing, isn't I, it? Honestly, the lengths that someone will go just to make someone feel really shit about themselves. <laughs> to be fair, I want to meet that guy. I mean, talk about bringing someone down to level. My opinion is never, ever let that out of the bag. That is pure genius. It's wonderful, isn't it? And don't let him forget it either. Like every time he comes back at the end of a drive and says, did you see that screamer I hit? You just remind him that he couldn't hit the simple springing teal targets last summer. So just to wind his neck in a bit. Just like, are you sure it was you that hit that after last summer? (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe he's managed to keep this quiet. I mean, because he's anonymous, obviously, and and, uh, in in these circumstances, he's still going to manage to keep this quiet. But what what huge lengths to go to. I mean, talk about making marine ply clays. That's not easy. But I mean, what painting them black. What it shows you is that if you are a loudmouth or a show-off or a braggart, the shooting world will come back and bite you in the arse somehow. <laughs> it really will. You won't get away with it forever. And he might never learn the lesson, but maybe he will. How much of a dick mouth this guy have been? He must have been winding people up for a few years, don't you think? I just think that is absolutely brilliant. The guy deserves like a lot for this. I want him at our podcast party. Well, hopefully he'll be there, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get him to design, design armour for some of our pheasants that fly over a certain gar- gun. So, you know, the same sort of thing. <laughs> this guy, I, I need to get this guy on board. I reckon most of the pheasants I shoot at are Kevlar lined. <laughs> it's, the, it's the only plausible explanation. <laughs> Amazing. So he's got, he's got one simple question, should I have come clean? I think unanimously, no. No, but also uh, like, unanimously, no, congratulations. Yeah. I, 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 this, I want to put his name up in lights, but obviously that would be ruining it. So, uh, yeah. It's a just, no and a complete congratulations from me. We'll just invite him to the pub with us three and we'll sit there and buy him drinks all night. Yeah. <laughs> all night. All night. No, oh, well done. Well done what a hero. So uh, we've got more correspondence, haven't we, Chris? And it's sort of, I suppose, slightly related. It, we do indeed. If you recall, in the last episode, we were asked by a listener, uh, Matthew, to suggest fines for a new syndicate. And we asked members to write in with the fines that they hand out on their shoots. Harry has been in touch to tell us about one that's in place on the syndicate that he runs. And he writes, um, we introduced a new fine on the shoot I run this year, which is called the pink gun slip. It's normally awarded to someone who has done something silly in the days leading up to a shoot day or on the last shoot day. If there's no obvious winner, we award it for any minor indiscretion we can think of, normally being late or overly keen or something like that. However, The best reason it has been awarded for so far was when a very well-respected gentleman arrived at the shoot day 
with a well-known gun dog trainer to help this chap with his gorgeous Labrador on the peg. After completing the morning briefing and preparing to depart for the first drive, it became apparent that the gentleman in question had forgotten to put his dog in the car (laughs) and the poor thing had been left in the kitchen wondering why she was missing out. He got a fair amount of stick and was awarded the pink gun slip for the day, which he wore with pride. That's a very good one. I mean, that's... I like what they're doing in the syndicate there. I mean, Richard, you must have seen a fair few fines dished out in your time. We're massive charity supporters, and I think it's really important, um, you know, that that our our shooting fraternity do that. So we do fine people for various things. Um, Certainly, we release X amount of white birds uh, per year. Um, And I used to start finding people, if you shoot a white bird, then it's £50. And what used to happen was, is people would shoot the white birds, and you'd go up and say, oh, well done, you shot, you know, you shot a white bird. Uh, that's £50 for Team Grace or the NHS or the Air Ambulance or whatever it is. And they'd simply turn around and go, I never shot that. And you could have guns, just one gun in a field, and a white bird strategically behind him, and, oh, no, I never shot that. Um, so we've actually changed it now. So basically, if you shoot a white bird, you collect £50 off everybody else, and all of a sudden, yeah, I shot the white bird. Uh, and, uh, and 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 we get fines in that way, um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know, finding guns, <laughs> you've got to be a little bit careful, but uh, but it's a great way of um, a, a bit of fun to, for the day, but also raising money for, uh, for for great causes. Yeah, it's I think it's a lot of fun. We we don't really do them at home, but I've been on a few shoots with good fines, and I do think it's fun. Um, I was I meant to say by the way, Harry actually um, messaged us on Instagram, and he sent us a picture of the pink gun slip. And I have to say, it is very pink. It's really, really pink. Um, so um, the good thing is, is that Wilfred and Harry are both going to get a set of the uh, Guns on Pegs podcast garters, which will go very nicely with the pink gun slip, it has to be said. Um, so they're both now members of the most noble order of the garter. Richard, obviously, you're going to get your garter, so we'll look forward to seeing those out. They will be worn with pride. Exactly. Good news. Um, and of course, they're also, all three of you are now on the guest list for our game fair party. Um, so if you've got a shooting confession or a quandary or a query and you'd like us and our guests to help you out with it and you'd like to become an owner of a set of the garters and come to the party, drop us an email to pod at gunsonpegs.com. Um, and on the subject of the party, there's a couple of things we need to mention, Chris. First of all, I've got a message from Tim Maddams, who was a guest on the podcast in Series 1 and who's kindly offered to do the catering for the party. Do you want to hear it? Far away. Here we go. Let's see if this works. Chris, George... Tim Maddams here, had a bit of a brainwave. We've been working for a while on plans for your party at the game fair. And, you know, we had that idea of bringing the vintage fire truck down to you. And then it just sort of occurred to me that surely the best thing to do would be to bring the party up to the massive restaurant that we've got going on at the game fair. Right at the end of Gunmakers Row, going to be a massive venue. Why don't we have it there? It'll be brilliant. So what do you think of that idea, Chris? He's on to something here, is Tim. Uh, this this helps. We we've obviously been asking guests, uh, listeners for, for for you know for, to to help make this party a success. And essentially, what Tim's done there is stepped up to the mark to help us with the running of this. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think this is a I think this is a great idea. So the fire engine is is it's it's quite fun. We've got a link with the Country Food Trust going on there, and we talked about that first off. You know, the idea that Tim will do the catering. So. When people have had a load of drinks and they're far too drunk and they want to have whatever it is that they want to eat, a bit of money goes to the Country Food Trust. So that's a really good thing. But Tim's also, he's never short of a drink or two. So uh, I think 
this this is this is good. I'm liking this. I'm liking this. What do you reckon, George? I think it's a great idea. Um, I think I was slightly worried about this. You know, we've got a decent sized stand this year, but I was worried how many people we were going to be able to get on it comfortably. Uh, for you know, I think we're talking about a guest list of 300. So if we can use his restaurant, which is obviously set up for large numbers of people, it seems absolutely perfect to me. So, so the question is, has this gone and increased the capacity of the party? And I think it might have done. Oh, possibly. Because I like we all know we've all seen a restaurant at the game fair. Sides come off restaurants, don't they? So you can take those little panelled sides off, and we could just fill this place as much as we like. What do you reckon? The wheels, and then the wheels fall off. <laughs> <laughs> the sides come off, and then the wheels. That's the plan. That's the plan. So, Chris, we better just do a quick rundown because we didn't talk about it properly in the last episode. Um, where are we with the party? What have we got? What do we? What What do we still need to sort out? All that stuff. Well, behind behind the scenes, I've obviously been. You know, I've been. We've had lots of messages, and I'm. I'm I must thank everyone that's got in touch. You know, there's tons of people wanting to come to the party. I'll come back to that in a second. But we are making really good progress. But obviously, we're looking for support. We're looking for other people out there who want to come and add some value to this party to make it a real sort of post-lockdown party, a real success pre-season. That's just, I'm so excited by it. So we've got food by Tim Adams, as Tim's obviously just said. Uh, lots of drink already organised, but we're still looking for some drinks brands who'd like to be involved. You know, if you make some sort of provincial slow gin or something and you want to do a bit of something, you know, we can we can bring you in on this. Obviously, we'll give you a big shout out in the podcast and help you there. Uh, we've got a magician. Uh, we've also got the fire engine. We've got Tom Payne on the triangle on the Tom Payne stage and a Tom Payne dance off. That, that, is, <laughs> who's competing against Tom in the Tom Payne oh. dance off? Is it just the, Tom? The thing is, yeah, when Tom Payne does a dance off, it is usually just Tom and no one else within <laughs> quiet. <laughs> Nobody within flailing distance. I think we've all witnessed that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's happening. But obviously, if anyone would like to compete with Tom Payne in the dance off, we can very much make that a thing. So let us know. Um, and we've also got a cannon to open the party. Um, so it's going great guns. Very good. I like it. See what you've done there. I like it. But um, <laughs> is Tom Payne actually doing a dance off or trying to impersonate like a pigeon flapper or something? He... Like that? <laughs> <laughs> He'll kill me for saying that, but I just wonder. Well, I think I don't think he knows that he's doing a dance off yet either. So this probably will be the first time he learns about it. So that's good. You see, and someone else suggested that he play the triangle with the band, which obviously we're going to make happen. <laughs> that is uh, pure genius. It, it was Marcus Janssen who suggested that, who is obviously a mutual friend. So anyone else that knows Tom, just message in, let us know what you wanted to do, and we'll obviously let him know on the night what he has to do. So we're going to have to go on Amazon and buy ourselves a triangle it's all right. that we used to play at school. I will happily remember. buy that I've for got you, one. My twins have, <laughs> you my, my kids have got one. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect any of us to have a triangle. Good. Um, so if you'd like to come to the party, you are welcome because you're listening to this. Um, you've just got to earn your wristband, which gets you entrance into the party. We've given out loads in the last couple of weeks to people that have sent in nice messages and interesting thoughts that we simply just don't have time to read out. But thank you to everyone that's been in touch. So we've got space, as we said, for probably about 300, but I'm going to do some investigation and see if we can get this number increased. Uh, I imagine security is the people I'm going to end up speaking to. Um, but keep your messages coming. Basically, I think the key to it is if you send us an email and it makes George laugh, you're guaranteed to get on the list. So 
it's a little bit of a word of advice. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, looking forward to it very much. Indeed. So the fight, the other thing that we've got to just mention quickly is we've still got the auction for the four sets of garters and the two pairs of tickets to the party. Uh, we've had a couple of bids come in, but you've still got time to put in your sealed bid. Uh, remember that the proceeds will go to the shooting cause of your choice. So just send your bid to pod at gunsonpegs.com uh, and you could be in with a chance of those as well. Awesome. Good. Right. Tricky Dicky, some questions for you, my friend. Okay, make them easy. <laughs> <laughs> Promising nothing. Um, I'm going to start with an easy one, though. Or at least hopefully it's easy. Um, so we had Gerwin Jones on the previous series and he basically spent an hour talking about how much he loves brigands. Uh, so now we're kind of getting to find out about the shoot from the other side of the line, so to speak. So my first question is, what makes Brigands so special? Why do people love it so much? I think Brigands is definitely a very special place. You know, you're right in the middle of Snowdonia National Park. The the scenery is stunning. The hills or mountains, if you like, are huge, and it makes you feel very small. Um, it can produce on its day some of the challenging targets um as chris will know you know certain drives off the tops tommy's heaven's water uh well shave and waterfall those sort of drives you know on the right day they they are very very high they're twisting they're curling they're dropping they are doing everything um and i think what uh, what makes people come back is the fact that they are shootable but they're doing everything. It's not just the sort of straight-driven bird where you can just drop in front of it, and once you've found the lead, you pull the trigger and, 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 uh, and they curl up. Now, this one's they might be going sideways, they're dropping, they're all sorts. They're a very, very difficult bird. You know, Gerwin, what a great guy. I mean, he comes back to the Brigands year on year. He's a very good friend of mine. He's a, great, he's a, he's a gentleman of the sport, but he can also bloody shoot, but he doesn't mind missing. And that's the trick. You know, if, if, you, if you're going shooting, which a lot of people do, and you want to get a ratio and you want to come off the drive saying, I've shot 25 shells, I've killed 18 pheasants, and I'm afraid brigands isn't for you. Um, it's a special place. It's, it's got, what does it shoot, 60 or 70 days a year. And for the last few years, it is being booked up year on year. Now, we're not, I'm not saying we're the best in the country, but we try to. They're not... Pheasants aren't easy to drive at the brigands. It's not going from top to top, um, from cover crop to cover crop. Um, it takes a lot of work from certainly the guys behind the scenes to make sure that the pheasants go where we want them to. And often they don't, you know. Let's face it, it often goes wrong, you know. Um, but no, it's a very special place. I'm not certainly not going to stay here and say it's the best in the country because, you know, shooting means an awful lot to a lot of people. And different aspects of the day... Um, for different people make you know the shoot the best in the country do you know what I mean Chris yeah so you, you, you reminded me standing at the brigands there when you talked about the pheasants dropping and I think that's such an important point when you think of like some really high bird shoots obviously you've got like flushing points that are ridiculously you know they're just such a long way up and a long way back but obviously if the birds went straight from there they'd be well like just you know three times out of range so they are coming down. They're following the contours somewhat. But the speed, therefore, that, that when they go over the guns is just ridiculous. And I, I've stood on 
I've stood on a peg there, and I'm I'm not I'm not proud of it. I mean, we'll we'll come on to some of this stuff in a second, but the uh, you but shouldn't, I, Chris. I I remember like I think I shot ninety five cartridges and I shot five birds or something. Uh, which, <laughs> but you see, I'm I'm prepared to admit it. I reckon that most days someone does that. It's just they don't say it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Oh dear. Talking of Tommies, I remember years ago you shot Tommies, I think, Chris, um, mm. a few years ago. And one of our mutual friends, uh, Will Morton, came on a little day that I had up there one day. And uh, he is the most enthusiastic shot, as we both know, and countryman, yeah. may I add. Yeah. And he was on peg one at Tommies, which is the no- most notoriously difficult peg. You know, it's uh, it's the bottom of the valley, or uh, and the pheasants are at their highest. And... Uh, he had a few shots. I think he had 44, 45 shots. And I walked up to him. I was like, Will, how do you get on? And he's got a smile from ear to ear. <laughs> and I was like, oh, brilliant. He's had a good time. I was like, how do you get on, mate? So I had 45 shots there. It was epic. I was like, how many did you get? He's like, oh, I didn't shoot one. <laughs> 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 but, you know, this is what it's all about. He loved it, you know. It's so that that's how you've got to react. Because I think this is when you're shooting high pheasants, people, um, you can you can expect people can go in with an expectation that they'll get that they'll connect and and bring down quite a few like you would on a, on your syndicate at home type thing but that's just not the case and, and Will's attitude there is spot on isn't it like if 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 you can't enjoy that then you're just not really going to enjoy the day well i suppose that kind of brings me on to one of the questions that i wanted to ask so richard uh, you've not seen me shoot uh, for which i'm grateful um <laughs> on, on my good days i am at best <laughs> an average shot and on my bad days it's frankly embarrassing so would brigands be wasted on me do you need to have a certain level of skill to come to brigands and not just have fun but to actually sort of be ethical as well that's it that's a that's a great question and you know we spend a lot of time with the guns the night before shooting where we'll go and have drinks uh while they're you know just before they sit for supper um and we'll talk it through with them you know at the end of the day a day's pheasant shooting is a lot of money and whether you're shooting brigands or any other estate, I think it's important that the host goes, spend some times with those guests and actually ask, what are you after out of your day? You know, you yeah. do get Gerwin who, Gerwin wants the highest drives and that's what he gets, but Gerwin can deal with them and, uh, and loves to get the lead off and consistently will kill serious pheasants. Um, however, you know, you've got, we get people from all over and the brigands, yes, you know, you hear about the four big drives, but there's a lot of other drives that are very, very good drives. And, you know, we've got something for everyone. You know, you don't hear about um, the Oaks and Guanyin, which I'll touch on later so much. They're brilliant drives. There's something there for everyone. You know, there's something there from 30 yards to 80 yards. That's you know, so true. The, 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 um, Oaks, the Oaks is just one of those drives where if you put that on any other shoot, people will be raving about it. Oh, just, I love the Oaks. And yeah. just be, because it's at the Brigands, it's like it's still a very good drive. It's an incredible drive, but it's not maybe known as some, like some of the others you mentioned. It's- Absolutely, I mean we've been hosting many a day, as you know, and you'll come off the oaks and you thought, "Oh, that was good today," and people are like, "Yeah, it's not Tommy's though, is it?" I'm like, "No, it's not Tommy's, but it is still a brilliant pheasant drive." You know, it's just yeah. But going back to your question, sorry, George. You know, there is something for everyone, and I think you've got to take time to get to know your guests and to get to know what they're after because you know i don't want to put someone through four extreme drives and actually what they're after is to have a bit of fun enjoy the hospitality and shoot a few pheasants and 
it's important that you know it's horses for courses as far as i'm concerned and, and we've got to cater for every different race or horse in the race if you like yeah no no it makes perfect sense um so i if you don't mind i'm going to put my journalist hat on i do it once an episode warning journalism ahead warning journalism ahead <laughs> george has got a jingle board and he's super excited <laughs> <laughs> okay so um how high is too high lots of people will talk about lots of prick birds that kind of thing a lot of people um we put out an article recently i say i put out an article recently um with a list of 10 high bird shoots and nearly all of the comments were about how these people commenting saw it as potentially unethical shooting at this, these sort of extreme ranges. What would you say to those people? Um, I can definitely see that point. You know, shooting is getting, you know, the, the whole trend of shooting has changed. Um, you know, 20 years ago, um, a good Cotswold shoot was as high a bird as you'll see anywhere. Um, how high is too high? I mean, for some guns, any any pheasant's too high. Like me. Um, <laughs> but you have to work within your capabilities. And there are pheasants on any shoot that just, you know, for whatever reason, take off out the cover and they go extreme. They go out of shot. You know, whether yeah. it's the brigands, whether it's any shoot. Now, if they're really, really high, do you shoot at them? Probably not, but some do. Um, I think you've got to... You, You've got to definitely be, um, you know, self, you know, just shoot what you think you can kill. The other thing is, which I think is very important, is the shoot have to have the ability and the resources to pick wounded birds. Because whether you're shooting skyscrapers or, or 30, 25 yard pheasants, there is always going to be an element, sadly, of wounded birds. Now, the quicker they can be picked and dispatched and put into the game trays, the better as far as I'm concerned. Now, you know, these birds that are hit when they're, you know, 50, 60, 70 yards high, as long as, as far as I'm concerned, as long as you've got your pickers up far enough back, when they hit the ground, they will never fly again and they will be picked. Um, and that is for me, I couldn't do my job if we weren't picking picking pheasants. As simple as that. A, you know, that's where the money is because, you know, we get paid per bird when they're in the tray. So it's in our interest to pick them. But there are birds, you know, stratospheric. Um, but I will say that if you get a pellet into a pheasant, yeah, she, he might or her might um, set the wings and they'll fly for 100 yards, but the pick is 200 yards, 300 yards back. As soon as they hit the deck, they will never fly again. And we need to make sure that we have the resources in place that every bird that sadly is pricked, and it's not that many of them, but there's always some, are picked and dispatched. So on your really tall drives, how far back are the pickers up? So we normally have two waves of pickers. My argument as a shoot host is I don't want the pickers too close because A, a lot of the guns bring dogs and they want to use their dogs. And birds that are cleaned out, killed outright, will be dead. They're not going to go anywhere. So the guns can have their fun with their dogs picking them up. Where I want my pickers is, you know, on some drives, they'll be a mile back. A mile? They bring the ditches up. You know, they've all got four, five, six dogs apiece work it all the way back and they will pick 99% of them. Wow. You know, I don't want to see pickers 10 yards behind the gun line with dogs running in because the ones that are on the field and are killed outright, they're, they're going to be there for when they've walked in from a mile as far as I'm concerned. 
I'm really glad you've talked about this because I think that this is this is such a key point that never gets spoken about with regards to higher bird shooting. The fact that we all go shooting, of course, we've all pricked pheasants. Like it's not something I there's nothing worse than pricking birds on a drive. I'd rather miss and miss and miss and miss than occasionally muddle one down. I just it's just horrible. But it is it is the nature of what we do. And we won't go into any of that. But the fact is that there are shoots out there where there are birds being pricked regularly because they're just good they're good shoots good good high birds but not extreme or anything but they're not set up necessarily like your setup with two banks of pickers up and pickers up a mile back and all the rest of it and I think that that's such a such a key point because even though like you know you might not be killing things instantly as long as they're being collected and put in the trays as you say then you know it's it's what's the difference really and I actually the money spent on extra pickers um Chris is it's money well spent, you know, because they've only got to pick one and a half or two pheasants the whole day, and that's paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and actually forget about, you know, the money that you get for picking. You know, we have a sport that I know all three of us are passionate about. You know, yes, okay, we make our livelihoods from it, but I'm passionate about this. I've shot from a very, very young age, and I've, you know, put my whole life into it. I want it to stay around. Yeah, you know, yeah. we don't need to be giving any opportunity for, you know, for, for you know not not doing our jobs properly, should we say, for for us not to let it go on for your kids and their kids. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I, I must ask a question. It's putting you on the spot a little bit here, uh, <clears throat> but um, we're obviously transitioning shot wise. I mean, and we're not. You know, we're, we're quite early stages of this. How do you see that affecting the shoot? Um, I think that, you know, I'm not one that's going to say I don't want it to happen because if that's the way it's got to go for our sport to continue, then we need to go with it. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, Gerwin, going back to Gerwin, he, uh, I stood behind him on the oaks, funnily enough, peg apes and proper, you know, proper grown-up birds coming over him. And he said, I'm going to shoot some steel now, you know. And uh, and he wrapped up some birds that that were as good, you know. I you can't couldn't tell he wasn't shooting it, which was good. I was really impressed with that. Now forget about that. If, for instance, steel doesn't do what lead can, then we need to alter our sport because there's not much of an alternative. You know, if, the way I see it, if we start saying, "Oh, it's got to be lead," it's got to be lead. It's just another bullet in the gun for our industry or our passion, if you like to be close so if that's what it's got to be that's what it's got to be and we've got to cater for that is my view so what does that look like in in your case does that mean bringing flushing points further down the hill or bringing the guns up the hill you know i think we're going to need bigger grams uh, and 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 you know lesser shot size to bring bring that impact up and i think it's going to be you know we'll see how it goes i mean we always flush birds, you know, we have four lines, one from the bottom, one from either side and one from the top. Um, certainly for that for that reason, you know, you do get stronger teams or weaker teams and we will dictate where we flush the birds from to suit that particular team. Now, if steel is not doing the job, then we're going to have to we're going to have to do something because for two reasons, if the birds don't get shot, our commercial business, if you like, is not viable. And plus, the second reason, if birds are getting pricked to the point that they, you know, just very lightly touched, 
ethically it's not right and morally it's not right so you know we're going to have to suck it and see um it's going to be a challenge maybe but you know what it might not be you know these eco wads and bits and pieces you might find that you know there's no need to change we'll see yeah i think i think you're right it's going to be interesting i and i don't i don't want to spend forever on this sort of stuff because i think the actual shooting aspect the actual pulling the trigger is only a small part of the day and i completely agree we can get caught up on the sort of how did you shoot point and I, you know, George will know from me, I couldn't give two hoots at the end of the day. Like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll shoot as well as I can, but it's not why I go. I go to spend time and have a laugh and just talk. And and uh, I think that if we get hung up on going to the brigands and just there with your, you know, fixing in your various different chokes and trying this, that and the other, and then not partaking conversation between the drives, you know, quite frankly, you've got it coming anyway. That That's the sort of stuff. Chris, that if, we needed, if you and I needed to be good shots to carry on shooting, we'd have given up years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be at the back with the dog. <laughs> It'd be you, Morton and I, 100%. George, I haven't seen you shoot, so I can't comment, but I dare say you'd be the fourth in our club. I'm almost, yeah, the founding member, I think, probably. <laughs> Um, I mean, you're so right there, Chris, going back to what, you know, what do people enjoy on a day shooting? You ask someone like Gerwin Jones to somebody uh, completely different, that what they enjoy on a day is, you know, completely different. You know, hospitality is a huge factor, especially if guns are bringing their wives. You know, the wives are there, they need some enjoyment, good champagne, nice canapes in between drives, bits and pieces like that. Good company, you know, what, what's a day shooting without good company? You know, yeah. I'd rather shoot an average farm shoot with some seriously good company than the best shoot in the country, where whatever that might be. You know, scenery. Um, to stand, one thing the Brigands has got is scenery. You know, you stand yeah. at Tommy's, you look down through that that sort of central valley. It, you know, it's it's breathtaking. And to have a glass yeah. of champagne and something there to to drink and nibble on is is brilliant. But there's so many different different aspects, I suppose, to a day shooting or a shooting trip that, that, that different people enjoy different parts of. If you so wh- while you're talking about this, I think it's, it's, this is, there's a question here which I've got to ask you, because this, and I want to hear your take on it, because I, I, I get very outspoken about this, but we see comments from people who, who simply cannot understand, and with some quite colourful language, why people would want to spend 50 plus pounds on a bird, per bird on a day shooting. Uh, and when we put stuff on like Facebook, for example, like profiling different shoots, you know, there's just almost like downright abuse almost at us for, for, for even mentioning it. Um, firstly, what do you charge at the Brigands? And can you explain to someone who might ask this question how it differs from the sort of £30 per bird at their local shoot? And the, the key differences that to sort of justify. <laughs> He's got his paperwork out. We're going to get proper answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> No comment. <laughs> um, my father-in-law will kill me for this, but you've met my father-in-law. And, yeah, uh, yeah. He just thinks everything about what I do in commercial pheasant shooting is just ridiculous. But anyway, <laughs> we'll go from here. Um, as I touched on earlier, you know, I, as I'm sure all of us, I started shooting at eight or nine years old. And in the school holidays, I'd walk miles just to shoot a pigeon or shoot a rabbit. And if I ever got that phone call, which wasn't very often, maybe once or twice a year, if some gun had dropped out down the local shoot, you know, would you like to come on our farm shoot? I was like, yeah, 25 to 30 birds over eight guns. I was like, I thought all of my Christmases had come at once. So yeah. I understand 100% 
the other end of the spectrum, if you like. When I moved to Wales, what, 14 years ago, I'd never seen anything like this. Um, and now, you know, running Brigands or hosting the Brigands together with a lot of work, you know, Will Evans is hugely involved. Um, but anyway, going back to it, how do you, what's the difference between a 25 pound farm shoot bird, if you like, and 50 pound bird? They're, as far as I'm concerned, they're two different sports, Chris, I think. Now, I might be wrong here, but I think they are. Um, you know, 25 pound a bird, if you're putting it into monetary terms, you know, a farm shoot that I'd shoot on would be a three to one shoot, for instance. Yeah. I would say, you know, and it's 25 pound a bird. It's very affordable shooting. But if you actually did that per shot, you're talking at, at what? Uh, three to one is um, £8.30 a, a, a shot. Oh, right. That's what's Sorry, costing yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. £50 a bird at the Brigands for eight to one to have hopefully some of the best food and some of the best wine or whatever it is, is £6.25 a shot. So when you put it into, it depends whether you want to shoot the birds or have the shots. Actually, Brigands is cheaper than a farm shoot. <laughs> is that Dude, good? Is a, that good? It's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. Am I quiet and Chris Horn? <laughs> We're both sitting here desperately you. trying to do the maths in our head, and it's definitely not my strong point. Um, I, did, so, I, did it, uh, I did it earlier. Um, <laughs> so, so, so I... I uh... I read an I did an article on that about five years ago, literally talking about bang for your buck. Uh, if, if pulling the trigger is what you're going for, and so I was aware of that sort of thinking. But I really hear intrigued to hear you put your numbers on it, um, George. I want to hear your take on that. Well, I think it seems to me that what we've said all the way through this and in so many podcasts before is that the pulling of the trigger, the size of the bag, all the rest of it is actually incidental. Uh, or you know not the the most important factor and um somewhere like brigands or any of the better shoots really you know there's as much emphasis on the hospitality the the great food great drink great wine great champagne evidently uh, as we've learned today um <laughs> and so what you're comparing is if if to you i don't know let's use hotels as an example you're comparing the ritz which is the height of luxury you know hot and cold running waiters and every possible whim looked after and a self-catering airbnb by the beach and they're two totally different things they both have their place they're both really enjoyable but they're just different things and it depends what you're looking for and a lot of what you're paying for isn't the shooting it's the add-ons but that aren't add-ons it's a cracking analogy because if we all if we got a load of mates together us lot and went to stay in that Airbnb by the sea, we'd have a hell of a laugh. But we'd also have a hell of a laugh if we all got our mates and went to the Ritz for a weekend. You know, it's absolutely. Not, that's my point. That's exactly right. It, it's not that one is more fun than the other; they're just different. And it's it's like saying, why does anyone ever go in business class in a plane? Just because once in a blue moon, if you can afford it it's a luxury and you sort of treat yourself don't you it's yeah or if you're if you've got money coming out of every orifice then you're used to <laughs> then of course you're going to go economy <laughs> <laughs> no but actually like you say you know one of my best day shooting i've ever had um was at hill farm back in warwickshire you probably know that um, yeah and the company was amazing i think we shot 75 or something and it was a bloody good day um, and the company was amazing and, you know, got around your mates at night and it was brilliant. But as I say, you know, the farm shoots and 
and you know the commercial, the bigger shoots, they are different different entities. I think. I don't think you'll ever be answered, but this is why sh- this is why shooting so much fun. And I guess I suppose the other point is right. There's plenty of thirty pound a bird shooting out there. It's not like there's a shortage of it. There's loads of opportunities out there. We know this. Everybody knows this. If you don't want to spend fifty pounds a bird, just don't. don't. Just don't. You don't have to. <laughs> no one's twisting your arm. It's entirely up to you where you decide to go and book to shoot. And you shouldn't. I find it really annoys me when people judge other people for the choices that they make, how they decide to spend their money. Uh, I mean, you know, it's up to it's up to the individual. What the, how you know how they. Get their rocks off. Absolutely. I agree. Pause. Right. Uh, tricky. Go for a wee. Legend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get another drink then. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a great shout. There will now be a short intermission. So obviously you've got these, uh, you've you've got people out on these luxurious days. Everyone having a right laugh, like thirty pound a bird, fifty pound a bird. Who cares? It's all about the funny stories. You must have, you've hosted tons of days. You must have seriously itchy legs as well. The amount of shooting socks you have to wear. Uh, well, tell me about some of the funny stories. You, you God, you you must have something that springs to mind. There are undoubtedly an awful lot of funny stories out there. Undoubtedly. The amount that I can actually tell on a podcast <laughs> gets dwindled down from about six or seven hundred to just a couple. But um, you could do what George. That. You could do what George does and just like change everyone's names for random other letters in the alphabet. <laughs> so um, I'll tell you a funny one. So uh, we're hosting a day. I think it's about a Thursday through the week, and we've had a pretty, pretty busy week. We've, we've shot Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, emails are stacking up in the office, and the phones going in between drives and stuff, and Anyway, I'm pulling out of a drive called Tegwins, and it's the furthest east we go at the Brigands. And um, I'm on the phone and thinking about something else. I'm just going to the last drive. And for whatever reason, uh, I turn right rather than left. So I've got eight guns behind me uh, and eight loaders. Anyway, I'm on the phone and and off I go. Um, And we're cruising probably a mile or two to the east of Brigands. And the 11s is girl in there at the time, like knocking me, knocking me. I'm on the phone, like, yeah, yeah, sorry, what? So, like, where are you going? And I looked, I was like, oh my God. I was driving home. <laughs> so I just completely <laughs> forgotten that I've got the guns around. So then I'm like in a sheer panic of how I'm going to turn a convoy of probably near on 15 vehicles around and, and try and make it look like it wasn't a mistake. Um, to which I just, I, I couldn't. So turned around and I turned in this like, you know, when you're panicking, you turn around in like this really tight drive that's hard enough to turn one car around. So everyone's <laughs> shunting, it, the car's beeping at the traffic um, and I'm shunting them around. I'm just like, oh my God. Anyway, that was, that was one. Um, another one, this is a great story actually. Um, we had uh, a Canadian group who came over, really nice guys. They shot for a week um, and they absolutely loved it. Um, so at the end of the week, one of the guests who, who uh, let's call him David, turned around <laughs> and said, uh, when I get home, I, I'm going to bring my wife here. And I was like, fantastic. We'd love to have you back. We've got some individual days. Come and join us. Anyway, two weeks later, David, if you like, and his wife came back and he shot for two days back to back. I said, it's so good to have you back. You know, how do the two trips um, sort of, you know, h- how were they different? He's like, oh, Richard, they were very different. 
I was like, okay, so uh, so what's the difference? He's like, when you bring your wife, it's double the money and half the fun. <laughs> oh, I was like, wowzers. <laughs> okay, we'll probably... Uh, um, <laughs> was his wife within earshot at the mo- at that moment in time? Um, no, obviously not. And, uh, and luckily, his name is David, by the way. Uh, <laughs> so uh, another last one before I bore you with funny stories is a good friend of mine uh, who, who's also a good friend of, of Gerwin's, Rob Hunt, is shooting here. And he shoots here quite a lot, and he's a good shot. And we've just started this uh, drive called Devil's Chair. And, um, and I mean, it surprised us all. They came off the top and I was like, oh my God, you know, these are ridiculous. Anyway, Rob's bang, 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 bang. I was like, oh, Rob, crying out loud, will you just hit one? You know, just, you know, just trying to be a bit funny. He's like, well, you do it. I was like, oh God. I was like, no, 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 you, you, you get on with it. He's like, no, you do it. And he gave me uh, the gun and, uh, you know, I'm a pretty average shot. You know that, Chris. And for whatever reason, this absolute stonking hen came over and first barrel absolutely chinned it straight underneath the beak. Um, and I handed them the gun back. I was like, you know, it's pretty simple, Rob. He's like, do it again. I was like, no, no, I've showed you once. I'm not the, <laughs> the most unluckiest pheasant out of one of the seven million we've bred. That was the most unluckiest pheasant, but, uh, but very satisfying. Yeah, very it reminds me of standing at uh, it's standing at Whitfield on um, on Beater's Day, and Stuart Maud invited us up there. And I'm standing on them. Um, he had like banks of guns uh, because you know every man and his dog was out on the Beater's Day, and he invited us on it. Uh, and I was standing on in this in this drive on a rock in the middle of a river, and it was almost like a V. So I was like the furthest point towards the sort of front of the drive, as it were. And a couple of early birds start making their way like you can see this movement one bird comes out an absolute I mean it was just it was right up there and I, but it was it was within range and I knew this and I was like oh god oh god and it was flying straight over me I pulled the gun up and did exactly what you just did down it comes uh and I was like you know look calm do not look around at everyone <laughs> look do like not it happens every day <laughs> do not do not start cheering don't do anything else just be cool and then, and then so so I shoot this bird I shoot this bird and I was just you know play it really cool I missed the next 40 well I was I was, I was going to say the smooth thing to do at that point is to take the other cartridge out close the gun put it back in the gun slip turn around and watch everybody else <laughs> completely agree i tell you i must tell you one more story actually which uh which i have to tell you in my early days you know when i was first sort of commissioned to go and uh, run a few days at the brigands and very exciting it was a ma- you know really really big punters and you know first season in the seat and will evans was the uh, was the head keeper then so very young team and sort of early days of the new brigands if you like we were we were on this day and, and we were going from number drive uh, four out of the five and uh, and we got a bit of a miscommunication of, of which drive we were doing fourth and which drive we were doing fifth and it turned out I was going to the fifth drive which was actually the fourth drive you know what I mean? <laughs> so we're cruising up the side of this mountain I don't see many pickers or anything and I'm sort of like mm, this doesn't look quite right so uh, Will Evans gets on the radio he's like uh, Rich uh, massive problem I'm like, go on. He's like, you're the wrong side of the valley. We're over here. There's no way we can change. You need to come to us. I'm like, I can't turn the guns around. He's like, no, no. There's this old track that um, that I'll take you down. I, I, it's not. It's a little bit overgrown, but the guns will get down there fine. I'm like, well, you're not. 
are you sure that this is it? Yeah, no, it's fine. So we turn left. We turn right off the main road up towards this drive, where we should have just stayed on the main road. Turn left, go down this little, not even a track, Chris, I'm not going to lie. You know, it's like a, a footpath. And <laughs> it's like something out of uh, Ace Ventura. Going down through this vegetation, through a ford, up round, it's bumpy, it's uh, terrible. And finally, arrive back on the road, a hundred metres down the road from where we turned <laughs> off. <laughs> So, you know, this is a main, main A road, you know, why would you do that? So when we got out the other day, I'm thinking, out the other end, I'm thinking, right, what on earth am I going to say here? And they say, uh, Richard, you know, why on earth did we go sort of right? I was like, oh, terrible. So they were just doing a little bit of robots on that 50 yards around the blind bend. It's like, oh, they're so inconsiderate, aren't they? I was like, yeah, terrible. And on we went. And no one was to ever know the why. That's a very good save. Very good save. But as you're going down this track and the vegetation's getting thicker and you don't know where you're going, you're just relying on someone that's been in there in a mule 20 years ago or something. (laughs) Oh, what is coming around this corner? But anyway, we got away with it. So it's funny. So so I've got a question. We we talked a lot about brigands uh, and an amazing shoot it is. But I know you've been to other places. Tell, tell us about some of the other favourite shoots. I mean, I, I, and, and obviously, you're employed by Bettisall, and Bettisall have some mega shoots in the portfolio. But, but, but take me to other parts of the country where you know things are totally different, scenery is different. Yeah. What, what do you think sort of compares? I've, shot, I've been lucky enough that I have shot quite a few nice places in this country. I mean, I've shot Water Priory. I think you know personally that is is a lovely shoot it's a brilliant shoot completely different end of the spectrum again you know but it is it's a it's a very nice shoot in yorkshire as you know um it's very pristine you know lots of birds and they fly you know pretty evenly over everyone which is 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 a nice shoot i'll tell you where i did shoot last season um actually funnily enough in the same team as gerwin was pantilly uh, down in Cornwall, which yeah. was, I have to say, it was very, very uh, well run and um, and thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the day. But there's lots of little shoots, you know. I used to love, I can say Mollen now because obviously it's not a better shoot, but Mollen <laughs> is a lovely shoot. Um, there's a lot of lovely shoots. You know, I love going into Scotland. For me, as you'll hear later in maybe in a, in a story, but I love Scotland. You know, going back up in there, maybe Drumlanrig. Um, the Scottish are, they renew their tradition, not that we don't, but, you know, to go up there. I've been to Scotland to visit keepers in the summer and they're in plus fours, you know. Yeah. To go to Scotland, I love Scotland. That's where it all started, really, I think, isn't it? Okay, so 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 Briggins is obviously an awesome shoot within the Better Soil portfolio. Is it your favourite one of them? Um I think Brigands, for me, because I've run it or I've hosted it for a long time, it's my favourite because it's the most challenging in this fact to try and get the birds from mountain drives over the guns. And it challenges you every day. And flush points change by 100 yards a day. And yeah. everything changes every day. You know, Jamie and Craig, the keepers up there, you know, they effortlessly put a day on, day in, day out. And everything changes you know you can't blank in at the brigands you can't say well blank that drive into that drive into that drive what's there's there and that's yeah. it you know it's a very rugged very harsh environment to keeper and it's when it goes well there's nothing better but you know it it often goes wrong it does but you know and we're super critical you know when you spend 60 70 80 days on a shoot 
you know, what we think might have not have been a, an A1 drive, a lot of the guns love it because you're so super critical. You've seen it at its best. Yeah. If it's 95%, for me, that's not good enough, you know? Absolutely. Well, I also, the reason I sort of asked that is that you've got quite a variance of shoots, and I thought you might mention Vayner in there. Vayner, you know, that's me hosting. You know, if I wanted, to, I've been lucky enough to shoot Vayner on a couple of a couple of um, couple of occasions, actually, courtesy of Gwyn. And you know what? That is a phenomenal shoot, a phenomenal shoot. It's a completely different beast again. It's beautiful though. I think it's my favourite of 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 your shoots. I think the Parkland style nature of it, it's very, very different to Brigands, isn't it, in scenery? Uh, and it, uh, obviously the birds aren't quite as extreme, which suits me down to the ground. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but but you get you get some awesome birds there. And I just think, I, I don't know, scenery, I think it's lovely. Plastinum, I hosted a bit in September at Plastinum last year. And you know what? That is a phenomenal shoot. It really is. Yeah. Right. Well, look, we're leading right into it, George. Yeah. Final, final, final section. Yeah. So, Richard, we did warn you about this, but the way we like to finish the podcast every time is to ask our guests to describe their desert island shooting. So the idea is it's your last day ever. Money's no object. Logistics will sort out. The sky's the limit. So, right. where are you going? Before you speak, Richard no, has. The I know most... what you're going to say here. <laughs> he's got. He, no. He's got. He's got the best imagination, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he comes out with. Okay, so where are you going? What are you doing? Who are you taking with you? Go for it. I rewrote this. I'm just going to tell you how I rewrote it. I was going to just put an action-packed day in where we were going to use helicopters like they were quad bikes and start <laughs> everywhere and shoot every species that ever ever had been. Anyway, I simplified it, Okay. So how very you, this is this is this is a grown up version of you, isn't it? Coming out now. <laughs> I think you're going to enjoy this, Chris. Okay. Okay. Um, and you do feature in this. All right. Yeah. Okay. okay. I do. So it's going to be a team, and I can't. It would take me longer than a day to put the team together because we're going to shoot quite a few guns. But it's going to be a team full of family and close friends. Let's put it like that. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hard bow moral castle. Okay. Um, <laughs> Which is going to be I like the it already. Venue um, for a relaxed evening in the night before, and I know, I know that um, Her Majesty the Queen is a very keen at picking up, and she, we'd love to have her on the day as well for some of it. Um, <laughs> so we'll be up at first light, first yeah. light, um, and we'll be we'll be straight on the river, and uh, and we'll have caught a salmon by six a.m. in the morning. Okay, okay. ambitious, uh, and then. <laughs> And then we're straight up the hill then um, and straight onto the Red Stags and we're back for breakfast at 9am. Okay, so wow. really pushed on, really pushed on. Uh, <laughs> breakfast is 9, nine o'clock till 9.30am prompt. Helicopters <laughs> leave at 9.31am prompt. Okay. Uh, we then cruise into Imbercourt for a driven grouse day, yeah. um, which is a double gun day. It's got a strong wind, uh, nothing massive, somewhere in the region of 300 to 400 brace, <laughs> um, which would then, that would complete our McNabb. It certainly big, would. In a big way. <laughs> Chris, Chris I, you, you would be loading for me, Chris. <laughs> Okay. I knew, I knew, I was, I knew that was going to be my role in this. Um, I'm, we didn't I'm want glad. to rush. We didn't want to rush the day through, so we're going to return at four pm um, for 
what's known in Scotland as you want to nip with the keepers and guests celebrating all of our McNabs. Um, before 5pm, we're collected from the castle. Yeah. Uh, and then we're off to the most prolific flight pond in the UK, wherever this may be. Yeah, um, you've, you've shoot, built it. We're going to shoot teal, widgeon. We're going to shoot all of it. Um, <laughs> all of it wild. No, nothing weird, everything wild. Um, and we're going to return to the castle at 7pm, where we'll all get scrubbed up. Uh, black tie ball in the Grand Hall, including beaters and everyone. Uh, part this this part of the day, Chris, you are allowed to relax, and you're you're uh, one of my I'm not, guests. I'm not waiting on you hand um, and foot at this point. And then okay. we'll have a, hu- <laughs> a huge party after uh, after you've done the champagne reception, Chris. <laughs> after I've handed out all the drinks, uh, um, it's, I I love it. I absolutely love it. Well done. You you've 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 thought about it. Do you know what I think that I mean? It's obviously it would be incredible. The the best thing about that was all the beaters are invited. I love that. I think that's yeah. brilliant. Well, it's going to be a chaotic party, isn't it? Because you've got a lot of people in the Grand Hall at, at Barrow. Is, is it even called the Grand Hall? Do we know this? I mean, when I was there last time, that's what they called it. But <laughs> <laughs> um, Do you know, I actually, funny, before we go, a person who will listen to this and they'll know I'm speaking about them, but I'm not going to say a name. I said, have you ever done a McNabb? He said, yeah, yeah, of course I have, yeah. I said, well, how did that work? He said, well, I, uh, I caught a salmon before breakfast. I went and shot 50 brace of grouse to my own gun, got home and thought it'd be rude not to go and shoot a deer. <laughs> now that is a McNabb. That is a McNabb. Obno- obnoxious McNabb. Obno- yeah, obnoxious McNabb. Yeah. At least it wasn't a royal McNabb. <laughs> we talked about those Indeed. before and we nearly got in trouble, so we don't think we'll go into detail. Yeah. Um, Richard, it's yeah. been so much fun having you on. It's been brilliant. Um, thank you so much for joining us. It's not only been very funny but also really interesting and i hope that everybody listening's enjoyed it as well it's been listen guys it's been a, it's been a complete honor and, and thank you very much indeed for inviting me to talk on your show uh which i have to say i do love listening to apart from probably this one <laughs> <laughs> hey you're a good man cheers tricky it's been awesome having you thank you thank you so much Right, so before we go, as usual, there's a final reminder that you can get your hands on a pair of the very exclusive Guns on Pegs podcast shooting sock garters and secure your invitation to the party at the Game Fair by sending us your shooting dilemmas for us to resolve or by getting in touch to let us know where you've been listening from or by suggesting some more good finds uh, for syndicates or by telling us how you might be able to contribute to the party. We need a band. We want to hear from you if you're a band. Just send us an email to pod at gunsonpegs.com and if we read it out in the next episode or if we like what you've sent us, uh, we'll send you some garters and your invitation to the party. Finally, from me, a huge thanks to anyone who dropped a review or a rating after the last episode. It really does help us out um, and it uh, helps us to reach more people too. Uh, If you haven't done so yet and you've enjoyed the podcast, do please go and leave a review on your podcast platform of choice uh, or even just hit the subscribe button. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. Uh, And until then, thanks very much for listening and goodbye. Good work.